you might often hear the phrase in the offseason when it comes to trades and player acquisitions for teams to crap or get off the pot when it comes to making a move. Some GMs at the winter meetings, or the GM meetings, I should say, are taking that a little bit to heart right now. And soon managers might be telling them the same things when it comes to their salaries. The Guardians made their first official move of the offseason concerning free agents, and we've got 2024 steamer projections. What does it all mean on today's Lockdown Guardians? You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Justin Lana. Before we get started today, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics and that treat over 50 infections. Get your stay at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. It's a solo episode with me today. Thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, wherever you get podcasts, we are free everywhere. Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, I think Google's actually moving their platform. You've got Apple, Amazon podcasts. We have even ad free. If you're into ad free, and we've got a, a account over there, and we're on YouTube, we're on Fast Channels. Thanks to everybody on the Fast Channels that are tuning in. It's a new avenue for us. Um, we usually haven't been introducing ourselves a lot late, lately. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, my co-host Jeff Ellis off tonight. Um, I have a background in covering the Guardians minor leagues going back. Gosh, let's see, 2007. I started covering. Uh, minor league baseball for the then Indians franchise. And I've been to numerous sites since then, the news Herald, uh, every blog in Cleveland, you could think of, I ran uh, Indians slash guardians baseball insider for a couple of years and also continue to work at the news Herald covering the minor league team and over at prospects live. And now I'm here co-hosting lockdown guardians and serving as the sole host today, talking to you fine people. <laughs> All right. So I made some comments to start the day about, uh, crapping or, or getting off the pot. Apparently, this is maybe it's not really a laughing matter. Apparently, there's a uh, maybe a stomach bug going on. I guess check back later to see if it's actually a stomach bug. See what happens. Um, apparently, there's a bunch of GMs and other front office people who are down at the GM meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona, right now that are uh, you know having some some GI issues. Nothing you know nothing to joke about, but uh, they think it could be related to some food poisoning. Something's going on there. It's apparently serious enough that they're talking about canceling the final day of the GM meetings that everyone is, is kind of walking around with a stomach bug. So hopefully it's just food poisoning and and nothing more, I guess. Stay tuned. You know, we all thought that in 2022, maybe. But uh, I guess we're going to find out. Uh, interesting comments from the GM meetings. Uh, I think I'm not sure if Chris Antony was one of the people infected or uh, what he was doing. But it uh, looks like John Morosi Family Network caught up with Mike Chernoff. And, you know, ask typical questions of Mike Chernoff. We'll get into his responses there. And some of those questions being due diligence and just trying to get sound bites. And some of them are just a little preposterous. We'll talk about that in the second half of the show. So we've talked all week about, obviously, Stephen Votes, the new Guardians manager. And he's going to be introduced Friday at a press conference in Cleveland. Hopefully everyone's healthy enough to, to be there in person. And we'll see what happens with that. But one of the things we haven't talked about, and by the way, musical chairs and managers still going on. The Padres don't have one yet. The Astros still don't have one yet. The Angels are going to introduce Ron Washington as their manager. I guess they're hoping for another Dusty Baker situation. Maybe they'll get one. 
Maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not taking it as any any move the Angels make right now to me is is very suspect. I mean, if I'm an Angels fan, I don't trust anything they're doing at this point. Um, not really. I'm not. Uh, the Angels do not get the benefit of the doubt on anything, and that comes to hiring Juan Washington too. I think it's a questionable decision at best. But what we can say is Craig Council, as we talked about, is the now the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball, and he is the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball of all time. That is going to make a future impact on everybody, not just him, other managers, but it's going to come to affect Cleveland. So uh, we don't really know the financial details of Stephen Vogt's contract with the Guardians as, as their manager, but we do know it's a three-year deal. And, you know, well, they're going to reevaluate from there. Obviously, you know, he's new. You're not going to go out and give him a, uh, you know, Tito had a year-to-year deal where it was just about health and how long he wanted to stick around, how long he could do it. He was just, you know, given carte blanche to manage as long as he wanted. Obviously, Stephen Vogt wasn't going to get that, and you're not going to commit too long to a very green manager. But Cleveland, I think, is hoping this works out. We talked about, like, the Kevin Cash thing. Like, Kevin Cash had two years with the Guardians and the Indians in their bullpen uh, role for, for two years there, and before that he had a little scouting experience, not a ton. And a lot of people – See the same thing in Stephen Vogt. Now, I'm going to read a quote, too, from a player who the Guardians just acquired about Stephen Vogt, too. We'll just kind of keep checking the reactions as this thing goes on. But the future impact of, of the Craig Council thing for Cleveland is this. If everything goes according to plan with, with Stephen Vogt, let's say this ends up being a great hire. Uh, and we can look at this from both angles, right? If this ends up being a great hire, if Stephen Vogt, turns into Kevin Cash or or whatever. He ends up being a good manager. Let's say the Guardians continue to get better over the next three seasons while he's here. And whether they make the playoffs or they don't, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on the players and their performance, right? It's really incumbent on the manager to set the tone and, and really set philosophies and, and rally the troops, as it were. Let's say it all works out, though. When three years come, his, his salary, if this works out, his salary is going up. I don't know what the salary is right now, but you can assure it's going up. And salaries around baseball for, for managers is going to go up everywhere from here on out because of what Craig Council did. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. If guys want to get paid their worth, do it. If you can get them to, to pay you, then then do it. Because, you know, like I said, God knows these billionaires have spent money on way worse things. Let's, let's get them to invest in the baseball team and making the baseball team better, no matter whose baseball team it is. Spend the darn money and – and let's make our, the teams better. Let's put make the fans um, have a reason to watch and be invested. Invest the money in your team so you can invest in your fans. But, yeah, if if vote works out really well, then guess what? In three years, the Guardians are going to have to pay up to keep Stephen Vogt around because he was in hot demand. And if this works out, if he was in hot demand and then it's for the reason that he might be a good manager – you know, the Giants, the Brewers were all moving in on on possibly on vote, and maybe even the Padres. We don't even know yet. They were all moving in on vote. So he was a hot commodity, and that's why they made the pivot the way they did. But if, if he was a hot commodity for a reason, because everyone thinks he can be a good manager, if he is in Cleveland, his salary is going up. So that's the effect Craig Council had on him. And on the other side of things, if this doesn't work out, and I, I feel like this is going to work be longer than three years, unless it's just an abject failure, which I don't think it will be. I don't know if it'll be like – the great success, it's hard to tell. I just I don't think it'll be that bad. I guess that's, you know, cop-out answer. You're feeling it's going to be in the middle. But let's say it does go bad enough where Cleveland moves on in, in three years. 
Well, they've got to reset. They've got to find, they got to look at their process and say, okay, we, we hired a first time manager. It, it didn't work out. And you can sit there and say, well, they were, you know, we're saving money, blah, 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 whatever. They're not going to be saving money on a manager. Either way, they're, they're saving, they might be paying the manager less now, but they're not going to be in three years, no matter how this goes, because in three years, like I said, either Stephen votes a good manager and his salary is going up because he is going to be a hot commodity. And they're going to want to keep him because this is going well. If it goes badly, Cleveland's got to reevaluate his processes and find out, okay, what did we get wrong here? Why didn't this work? Do we have to hire a manager with more experience next time? And guess what? They're ponying up for a manager with experience next time. And that all comes back to Craig Council's salary for the Cubs at that eight and a half million. I don't know if Cleveland's ever going to pay anybody eight and a half million as a manager. And again, Jeff and I had the discussion the other day when we talked about Council being hired by the, by the Cubs. Is he worth eight and a half million? I don't know. There's that quote from what Moneyball where uh, Jonah Hill's character talks about Johnny Damon as a leadoff hitter. And is he worth the seven million that the Red Sox are paying him? No, I think it's a good thing that you got him off your roster. We'll find out if managers really have enough impact. We'll never be able to quantify it. But if the Cubs end up being a really good program uh, franchise and they get back to the promised land and don't end up going 106 years or whatever it was without a championship again, then then maybe it'll be worth it. I don't know. The, the Cubs thing's very interesting. It's its its own. It's got a life of its own, but Either way, Cleveland's either paying Stephen Vogt good money in three years because this worked out, or they're paying somebody to bring in that that might have to clean up Stephen Vogt's mess. I'm not saying it's going to go badly. I'm just giving a hypothetical here. But they're paying. They, they probably will go to the opposite end of the spectrum, right? As everything kind of ebbs and flows. They have Tito, who's one of the most experienced managers. Now they have Stephen Vogt, who's got no managerial experience. Um, so if it doesn't go well, they're probably going to want to, you know, yin and yang a little bit and, and get someone with some experience. That's going to cost some money in the manager's salary. It may not cost $8.5 million, but it's certainly going to cost maybe more than what they were paying Tito. Even though Tito was the highest paid manager before, the next guy they bring in might be paid like Tito because Craig Council raised that floor. So uh, the next three years, Cleveland might be, you know, whatever they're paying Stephen Vogt, we'll find out. But uh, in three years from now, I think you can all expect that whoever the manager is in this team, uh, prices of managerial manager candidates are going up. All right, we've got comments from the, the GM meetings, the Guardians' first quote-unquote free agent signing of the offseason, and we've got some interesting projections for 2024 to talk about all on the way. Speaking of prices going up, boy, the price of – medications and supply chain, all that stuff is really up in the air right now. But look, Jay's case, we've talked about this multiple times on the show, spent a lot of time talking about wins and losses, who sits and starts. And we get fired up together all about that. Uh, but what are we doing about our health, guys? What are we doing about our health? Everyone listens. Uh, look, the Jay's case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jay's case is to fill out a simple form online in some cases, you can jump on a quick call with one of the board certified physicians at Jace Case. You can get ongoing health care from the Jace Case physicians on any treatment-related questions. Jace Case is created by doctors, so it's doctor-recommended. And if you go with the Jace Case, look, Jeff's talked about all the medications he buys, uh, he has through there, he needs on hand. Um, you want to get caught unprepared. Supply chain issues are, ma- are, major, are major right now. Uh, they might pop up again. You just never really know. And if you're traveling, traveling is one of the biggest things. I know I was traveling over the summer and uh, I had some, some medical stuff going on. I definitely could have used some 
some stuff right at the top of the uh, top that I could have pulled out of my bag while I was traveling. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, whether it is a supply chain or a travel issue. Uh, so Jace Case handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy and medical delivery and ongo ongoing consultation and care. So if someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com and see if it's offered for you. Remember to use our promo code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your purchase. All right, the G, the winter meetings are still a month away here. Uh, there was no, I don't think MLB Network Radio was at uh, the GM meetings. I'm not sure. This is where I would give you the, the XM spiel and, and tell you to listen to that. But I do know they'll be at uh, you know, be winter meetings in a month from now, which we're obviously going to talk about tons. We've got our comments from the winter meetings. Oh, boy. Okay, so I, I just watched an interview with um, John Morosi from MLB Network and Fox with Mike Chernoff. Who knows where Chris Antonetti was? Might have been stuck in the, uh, the John. Who knows? First question that Mike, Mike Chernoff got asked by John Morosi was about Shane Bieber. And if he expects that there's going to be trade talk about Shane Bieber, he's going to be asked about him already. And, of course, Mike Chernoff goes into the whole spiel about, um, oh, he came back last year. He avoids the question, right? This is this is what all GMs do. So anytime you see a press conference, even, even on the Stephen Vogt thing, anytime you see a press conference with this stuff, um, it's a lot of, you know, saying a lot of words, not really saying any substance. These guys are so good at double meanings and spinning a lot of words. They're smart guys. Uh, they're not giving anything away. But here, here is a little bit of that quote. We expect Shane Bieber to be in a rotation. I mean, we have a really strong foundation, strong rotation between Shane, Tristan, and some of our young pitchers. You know, he mentioned Logan and Gavin and Tanner. And we feel that can be the strength of our team. So obviously we're going to build around that. And then he said, obviously, we have to be open-minded about any potential trade opportunities for any player, but we're expecting Shane to be a big part of our team next year. And this is easy to decode, right? We're trying to look between the lines. And sometimes sometimes there isn't always a line to read between. We always talk about that. But there's a lot of doublespeak and a lot of, you know, like I said, trying to say, do an interview without really saying anything, giving it away. These guys are masters at PR. But there's some lines, you know, they're, they're going to say this for postural, like, oh, we're going to build around him. Uh, we like our rotation as it is. We're not looking to trade Shane and we're, we'll listen on anybody. Like that's the standard answer, right? Is, is if you're trying to drum up some interest or you're trying to hold some of Shane Bieber's value on the open market, when it comes to trades, you're going to say, yeah, we're looking to build around Shane. We like the rotation with Shane in there. Maybe that's code for, yeah, we, we don't have, we're not, we may not trade him. You're going to have to give us a good compelling reason to trade him. Um, I think what it comes down to for Shane Bieber is the guardians will not trade him this off season unless, unless there's an offer that makes the team better in 2024. That makes sense. I do not think they will make that trade unless they get pieces back that can help the 2024 team win. Because look, pitching depth is already thin. We're going to talk about a pitcher who the guardians picked up on, Wednesday that is going to serve as death, just death. Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever, I, you know, I don't think Cleveland would like to have him pitch in the majors unless something tremendous happens with his development. And, and there's been some interesting stuff about him in the past, Adam Auer, who we'll talk about, but you know, that's not a guy that I don't think right at this moment, Cleveland expects or wants to pitch in the majors next year. So 
they're already going to have some some depth shortfalls in 2024, even with Shane Bieber. They had depth shortfalls in, in 2023, and they were lucky that Tanner Bybee and, and Logan Allen and Gavin Williams got to the majors and were ready right away and, and jumped in with immediate success. That doesn't happen everywhere. And actually, we're going to talk about that um, because Turnoff was asked about Tanner Bybee by John Morosi as well. It doesn't always happen, and you get you might have second year regression for some of those dudes too. You just never really know, which we're also going to talk about in our steamer our projections that are out right now. Um, but it, yeah, if they trade Shane Bieber, like one, I think they have to get some depth back. Two, I think it has to make the team better in twenty twenty four. So a lot that comment to me just read like, yeah, we're happy with with Bieber. We could we could move hang on to him next year. And look, if Bieber rebounds in twenty twenty four, if he goes back to the pitcher he once was. Um, I think it's easy to say that you could offer him the qualifying offer next year. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. He's shown it before. Um, if he pitches like he did in 2022, you know, obviously he's been hurt the last two, two of the last three years, significant time. If he pitches, if Cleveland keeps him in 2024 and he pitches like he did in 2022, which, you know, not expected, he did recover from the shoulder issue in 2021 to come back in 2022 and then have that good season. You put the qualifying offer on, simple as that. And I think you're probably not super far off from that being what his value is on the trade market is is essentially, I'm not saying obviously you're getting a player that, that's in low A or anything or whatever, A ball, but just in terms of the value of the player and where that pick ends up being. So I think that's not far. Okay, some other comments. Uh, about Tanner Bivey. Surprising. Was he surprised by the success that Tanner Bivey had when he came up? And he said, well, it's surprising anybody who comes up like that to make an impact. He did because it's really hard, but they weren't surprised because the type of kid he is and the type of worker he is being on Harold prospect in college, put in a ton of work and effort. So he didn't surprise them, but it wasn't easy to do what he did. This is a team that's got to prepare for Tanner Bivey to win and not win the rookie of the year, but at least finish in second. And, uh, if he does, they've got to you know start talking about contract extension because he's going to get that full year of service time, and Cleveland's going to benefit nothing from it. So, um, but all good comments there from Mike Turner on Tanner Bobby. Nothing surprising. Those awards are coming up fast. Asked about Kyle Manzardo, and the expectation is he will be with Cleveland in twenty twenty four in terms of being their first baseman. And again, this was a lot of speaking about nothing. We're excited about Kyle. He's having a great fall league. Um, Excited for him to be part of the team. Obviously, they're looking for offense. He didn't say, you know, specifically what, but they're looking for offense. Um, that's a pretty vague statement. I would not run with anything like that. It was pretty vague. Um, but then he wouldn't put a timetable on. He said, we were excited to be a big part of our future. We'll see in spring training. So no timetable. Obviously, they're not making decisions on the 40-man roster uh, right now. And, and Kyle Manzaro is not part of the 40-man roster and doesn't have to be till next December. So... We'll see. I mean, they're not committing to it right now. And again, we've talked about it multiple times in the show. I just don't see any way for this team not to have him part of them. And we're going to talk about the projections. He is a big part of the projections we're going to look at today um, and him next year. And then, of course, of course, John Morosi had to throw a question about Jose Ramirez because he made that – this is the goofiest one. He made that comment on Seattle radio like a month ago about, oh, maybe the Mariners could you know go after Jose Ramirez. That's the guy I would – wave my magic wand for. So, of course, he asked Mike Chernoff about Jose Ramirez. And, you know, 
it's an absurd question, really. It's, at this point, you need to stop asking the question because it's not happening. And and this is the most definitive I think I've ever heard a manager or a a, uh, a Cleveland front office official ever talk about a player. This is the most affirmative I've ever heard. Um, Jose is the guy we're building around. He means so much to us on off the field. He's really built things up in the community, and he expects Jose Ramirez to be a lifetime Cleveland Guardian. Mike Chernoff actually said the words. He expects – Jose would be a lifetime Cleveland Guardian. We'll leave it at that. We want to build around him. Um, now, things change, right? Anything can happen. He's saying we expect, meaning that, that leaves some room for, for some openness here. But you don't make that statement unless, you know, you, I've never heard a Cleveland front office member speak that affirmatively about a player's future here. Like, even, even giving himself some wiggle room to say we expect – which means things could always change. Anything can happen. But remember with the Shane Bieber thing, he said, we expect Shane to be in the rotation next year, but we have to keep an open mind about any trade, and we'll see. With Jose Ramirez, there was no but. All the buts were on, on toilets this, at the GM, the GM meetings. Um, yeah, there was there was no but to Jose Ramirez. It was, we expect Jose to be a lifetime Cleveland Guardian, and I'll leave it at that. There was no you know if or but or open mind statement. It was just, that was the statement. I've never heard a front office member do that before about a player. So stop asking the question. It's over. Okay. It would take something drastic to happen for Jose Ramirez, not to be a Cleveland guardian for the rest of his life. And it, it could have, I'm not saying it can't happen. I, you know, again, not when you say the word expect, you leave yourself open for some wiggle room. I'm leaving myself some wiggle room too. Anything can happen, but I've never heard a, a, a for as long as I've been paying attention to this team, listening to the words, and especially since I've been covering this team, never heard anything that affirmative before. And we already know it because he's got a the only no trade clause they've ever given out in the franchise history, and he's the highest paid pay, player in franchise history, um, even though he's being paid well under market value. Never heard anything that affirmative about a player's future before. They're always very cagey about that stuff, and he was cagey about Bieber. Uh, you know, saying stuff without really saying anything because he left it open to interpretation. So stop asking the question. Maybe one of these years we'll stop asking about it unless Jose just decides he wants to go to New York or some random thing. All right. Well, that's not out of worry. Um, let's talk about who could be surrounding Jose Ramirez on the roster in 2024. And let's see what some projections think the Guardians can do next year. And uh, we'll talk about some more awards this offseason all coming up. All right. Now we got all the silly have-to-ask questions out of the way. Let's move on to something sillier. So these are the steamer projections. Uh, someone alerted me. I think they might have been out a while, but I just kind of stumbled across them the other day because there was an interesting uh, tweet out there about them from Foolish Baseball. And the first one I'll say to you is um, these are the top steamer projections by Way to Runs Creative Plus. And again, if you're new here or if you're not super familiar, if we haven't talked about it before, um, Way to Runs Creative Plus essentially takes into account every offensive outcome, you know, every every positive thing you can do, every negative thing you can do, whether it comes to hits, walks, extra base hits, um, making outs, all that kind of stuff. Any, anything that actually has – an outcome offensively. Um, it takes all that into account into a formula and it balances it out and it, and it weights it and a hundreds league average. So when you hear someone say this guy had a 110 WRC plus, that means he was 10% better 
than the league average hitter. And then you go, you know, 90, 10% less and whatever. And you have Cam Gallagher, who was negative 17 last year. So he was a lot worse than everybody in Major League Baseball. I'm not doing the math on that. Anyway, so this comment caught my eye when I saw it on Twitter was, uh, Kyle Manzardo is expected by Steamer to have a 113 WRC plus next year. Um, he was on a list of hitters who had yet to make their major league debut, obviously. And this is the list. This is a very interesting list. You've got Wyatt Langford, who, you know, was probably not too far away from being on the Texas Rangers roster at some point last season if there was another injury or people were talking about him being called up instead of Evan Carter, who obviously made a big postseason impact. So Wyatt Langford, this is one of the guys who ended up on the on this list. 121. Wyatt Langford, who who might be one of the best players in the draft last year. Then there's Kyle Manzardo, 113. Jackson Holiday, 108 for the Baltimore Orioles because, you know, they need more hitters, right? Um, but that's the guy who's going to be 20 years old next year and in the year in AAA. They're talking about him being a 108 hitter next year, so 8% better than league average. Um, Detroit's Justin Henry Lawyers there at 107. Colt Keith at 105. Tyler Black from the Brewers, who I really like at 104. Um, and Ben Rice, who had a really good season for the Yankees at 103. Um, there's a bunch of other ones on there as well. Graham Pauly, 101 from the Padres, so I really like. He uh, is having a great Arizona Fall League right now. So 124 for Kyle, I'm sorry, 113 for Kyle Manzardo for a guy who's never hit in the major leagues before. And, and again, take all these projections with a grain of salt. Anything can happen. But uh, it's always interesting to look at these things and, and for a projection system to have someone like Manzardo who hasn't had a day in the major leagues to end up you know, pretty close to a prospect like Wyatt Langford, who, um, you know, is going to have a chance. Those two could have a chance to battle out for rookie of the year next year. I mean, Wyatt Langford's going to come in with a whole lot of height. This is probably why Gunnar Henderson's going to win rookie of the year this year. And we can take a deeper look into that maybe uh, tomorrow and really break those things down. But height does matter in the in these voting awards, I suppose. But coming into the season, I mean, Manzardo is right up there with him. It could be an interesting battle. Um I don't know if Texas will have Langford on the open day roster. We'll see what happens. He can still win rookie of the year if he comes up in June. For all I know, he's really good. Um, but Manzaro's having a great having a great fall league. We'll see what happens. Again, Mike Chernoff wouldn't commit to him being on the open day roster, of course, or, or however long. Not a shock there. But really good, strong projection for Kyle Manzaro next year. And 113, by the way, at 113, he would have been the Guardians' fourth best hitter in 2023 if he had done that. So last year you had Josh Naylor at 128, Bo Naylor at 124, Jose Ramirez at 123. How about that for a shock, by the way? Jose Ramirez was the third best hitter on the team last year by weighted runs created plus at 123, below the, the Naylors. Did not expect that, to be honest. Actually, Jeff told me that yesterday off air, and I, I was like, no, there's no way that Jose Ramirez didn't uh, finish above those guys when WRC+. plus. Nope, he didn't. So if Kyle Manzardo next year would have had been on the team this year and had finished it with a 113 WRC plus, he would have been fourth on the team in that stat. That's inc- pretty incredible. Um, speaking of steamer projections, take a look at a couple of these. So uh, I said that Josh Naylor led the team in that category at a 128. Um, he is projected to pretty much do the same thing next year. A little bit lower, but still pretty good. He comes in at 125. Um, stats are, are, you know, pretty similar. He's going to hit, uh, they think he's going to hit in the two eighties, uh, again, which is not far off what he did last year, close to the same slugging percentage in a one twenty five, 
23 homers. He had 17 this year, so that would be an improvement. Of course, that's with um, almost 100 more plate appearances, actually, when he, what he had this year uh, because he missed time with an injury. So hopefully we get a full season of Josh Naylor in 2024. The Guardians offense definitely needs it. As for his brother, Bo, I talked about how he finished at 124 last year in only 67 games, and he was one of the Guardians' best hitters in the second half. Uh, right now, because of playing time last year, Steamer only has him playing 91 games next year, but they have him at a 110. I would take that. I think 110 is good, especially when you worry about pitchers adjusting to him next year and the book on him um, settling in for his first, first full year and the whole worry in, in – Hand ringing over the whether or not hitters can young hitters can hit in April in Cleveland. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens there. The one thing that's really good is uh, they got some rebound projections for both Andres Jimenez and Stephen Kwan. So a bit of a dip this year for Stephen Kwan. He was a much better hitter in 2022. Last year in 2023, just a 100 WRC plus. Uh, we talked about how his Babbitt fell, his average fell. Uh, as always, he was still solid. In 2024, uh, Steamer thinks that Stephen Kwan will finish at 113 WRC plus, which um, so it's a 13 percent improvement. That that's good. Uh, Cleveland needs to take offensive wins wherever they can get it, especially when it comes to the outfield. Um, Kwan's going to be here no matter what. Again, it's about whether or not Cleveland can find an outfielder better than Stephen Kwan to play next to him. However, you know we talked on yesterday's show if you listen to it about moving Stephen Kwan to center and trying to find somebody in left field with a better bat to try to upgrade both of those. But either way, it looks like Stephen Kwan, this thing, Stephen Kwan is going to have a rebound in 2024. That's a good thing. Andre Jimenez, who obviously was one of the Guardians' best hitters in 2022. He was right behind Jose Ramirez last year. He dipped to a 97 and really only was in a 97 because he had a pretty solid second half. He was up and down throughout the year, and he was a guy whose Babbitt dropped, his average dropped. Uh, Steamer thinks that he'll finish at a 109. That would be a huge improvement for Cleveland. I like the slash line at 265, 328, 427. Uh, has him at 19 homers, 27 steals. Very valuable. Only has him at 3.6 wins above replacement. Um, he was at 3.6 this year, actually. So it has him exactly the same. How about that? Um, I think he gets a little more uh, wins above replacement in, in the baseball reference version because of his defense. But his defense is pretty darn valuable. And then uh, another guy, look, this is the funny one, too. I was going to look at outfielders, too, real quickly as we're running out of time today. Will Brennan, 99, Gabby Arias, um, 96. Ironically, Oscar Gonzalez, Jonathan Rodriguez, the newest member of the 40-man roster, and uh, Ramon Laureano, all the 95, very odd. Um, Guardians added, as we get out of here, Guardians added Adam Aller as a mile free agent. He came over from the Oakland A's. He was part of the deal from the Mets that uh, sent him to Oakland for Chris Bassett. He said about Stephen Vogt, couldn't be happier for him and his family. I think Cleveland just made the best decision they could have. Can't think of a better man to coach and mold players than Vogt. We all knew it was a matter of time before he was given a head coaching job. Definitely earned it as a player, as good as he was. I believe he's now entering his true calling, being able to work and shape with the future of the game. I can't wait to see what he accomplishes and wish him the best of luck. Well, he could do it in Cleveland. Interesting guy. Um, struck out some batters in the minors. Hasn't really found success in the majors quite yet. Uh, throws about 94, 95, does have some right in his fa fastball. Um, supposedly has a pretty good changeup. Has not had a lot of major league success. He's going to be 29 all of next season and probably just serves as AAA depth. Maybe this is an arm Cleveland can work with and um, 
tweak some things and, and who knows? And he breaks out. Maybe they put him in the bullpen and he ends up being a member of the bullpen. Who knows? Uh, either way, good depth for him to have. He was an interesting prospect at one time. Actually, it was a good story. A 20th round pick for the Pirates in 2016. Ended up playing a little bit in, in Australia and in indie ball and then came back to the Mets and then got traded to the Athletics. Pitch for the Mariners last year didn't do very good. So a bit of a depth and reclamation project for the Guardians in 2024. And he gets reunited with Stephen Vogt. All right, we are all out of time on today's show. Jeff will be back with me tomorrow. We'll talk about maybe more about Adam Aller. We'll talk about uh, steamer projections for pitchers in 2024. Maybe we'll have more comments from the GM meetings if everyone gets healthy, and then we'll preview the Stephen Vote press conference on Friday. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for rating, reviewing, downloading, subscribing. It helps. Hey, we're almost at 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Help us get to 2,000. We appreciate it. And go, go, go.